This is the Holes of Remark Show, and today I am talking to Deborah L. Hatswell. She's a writer, researcher, reporter. She's going to tell me off in a minute. Vodka, vodka, vlogger, choreographer, collector of sightings and experiences of the strange and wonderful creatures known as cryptoids. Are reported by ordinary people here in the UK. Deborah is also a radio host with her own show and website. She's one of the founding members of the British Foot British Bigfoot Research Team, who are investigating the British Bigfoot and other creatures report that come to the towns and cities around across the UK, We're reporting up to date witness reports as soon as they come in. The reports are mapped and logged in when shared with others in hopes of shining a, a small light on some of the mysteries this world has to offer. And I use, I'm going to say, hi Deborah, and what mistakes did I make? <laughs> no, um, hi Mark, not at all really. I am a lady who has fingers in a lot of pies. It didn't used to be like that. I used to be out there on my own all the time. But as you know, this the subjects of Bigfoots and dogmen and cryptid creatures in the UK are suddenly taken off and the reports are coming in left, right and centre, not just of upright creatures creatures obviously creatures down on all fours and all manner of strange things even something that's been described as a human faced lion um but what i decided to do a long time ago was to just take these reports and log them in the hope that eventually at somewhere down the line they would be of use to somebody <laughs> well i i despite the controversy that Bigfoot causes, and we won't go into that. I, I'm a great believer it's like a bit like UFOs. You have like a hundred reports. Yeah, some of them you can dismiss, as you say, you go through every report, say, oh no, this is this, this is that. But it's at least 20% you cannot explain in any shape or any form. And you can't, you can't say that all these people all got together and thought, oh, we've got something better to do this weekend. Let's go and make up something about a British Bigfoot. I'm sure that people will listen to us. <laughs> if it was, I honestly say to people, I've been at this now since 1982, and I know people who've been at it as long as me, longer than me, and some people that have been around, say, since about the 2000s, 2010, something like that. And all of us, I am sure, would have disappeared a very long time ago if we'd sat down and made up this strange phenomena that people call the British Bigfoot. Bigfoot is the word, I don't like it, but it's a name that's kind of used, like the word ghost, that kind of sums up any hominid creature that's out there that's unexplained. So from your skunk man to your yowie to your Russian Bigfoot, it's just a, a word that we use. And in the UK, people are reporting, most people, when they report, Mark, say ape man or a man-ape, or it looked like a gorilla. Uh, one gentleman said it looked like a bonobo. I'm, I want to get into his account with you because it kind of explains how it, it happens. One report will come in, and I will map it, and then I put it out there. I put it out there on YouTube, and I'll talk to the, uh, the gentleman that's reported, and I do the background checks, and we send a researcher out to the area if we can. And we were very lucky that we were able to do that. So this one very one sighting that I'm using as an example in pen led to another sighting, which led to another sighting, which led to another sighting. So you've got four people there that have never met each other, all living in the same town in Wolverhampton, 
all with a story of seeing something that's around seven feet tall, completely hair covered, no clothes, entirely naked, very muscular built. In not in the wilds of um, the wilderness, but on in country parks, in golf courses, places like the river valleys that run through towns. And Penn is a wonderful example of that because of the rivers that surround the area. Um, and as it, the original question that you asked me, it just these accounts come in continuously and these people don't know each other but they're making a very similar report so it will be a similar habit um, this creature walked away into the bushes this creature ran away into the bushes um, a very similar description the face will be apish or human like the body will be hair covered it will be quite tall it will be moving swiftly um, so if you kind of dovetail that out across the UK, that these little places where people are making reports, Stanley in the northeast is another example where there's reports from the 70s going all the way up to this year. Um, how many more people are out there, Mark, with these tales within their families or with tales that happen to them and nowhere to report it to and nobody to... You know, without people like you, you and me who are out there actually you know progressively looking these tales would just disappear and, and we wouldn't they're wonderful aren't they they're not always for the witness don't get me wrong but they're very interesting they interest me and i know they interest a lot of people so we thought well let's just start writing them down let's start reporting them and see how many come in um and the answer is hundreds and hundreds come in all the time i know you had a a, a map site of um all the sightings once you put up, yeah. which I found very yeah. interesting. I know there was a bit of dispute, which we won't go into again, but um, I, I personally found it very interesting, and I, and I, and I looked at it properly without judgment, and yeah. I could see what the areas you was looking at, and I could think, yes, there are vast parts of that area that have never been tapped into. They're yeah. not urbanised, as people keep saying. This, this urban thing is a myth. Um, even I was shocked at the figures. We actually applied to the government to see actually how much of the UK is urban, as we would call it. And I had to. It was Andy McGrath, um, a well-known cryptozoologist, who actually did all the research on this. He's done hours and hours and hours on it. And we come back and even I was like, All right, those figures are way too low. We need to go back and double check these. It was something around, and I think it was 6.9% of the UK is urban. And that includes your roads, your housing estates, um, hospitals. Um, it was a tiny figure, isn't it? Then you jump the farming in, and only 7% of farming, I think it was 25% of farming land is used for cattle or agriculture. The rest of it is just land that's sat there. And people say, but it's impossible. You'd never be able to get close to a town. Um, and in your town, where, where you live, in, in, uh, down in the south, I am sure you, you will attest, there is a huge estuary that comes into town. That estuary leads onto a river. That river branches off into streams and brooks and dikes and becks and whatever you know name you want to give it when you live in the country. And the food sources that are along those rivers, to me... I, when I look at the map, and obviously it's easy for me, I know people out there will say, well, you know, we're not looking at a map every day like you. 
challenge yourself get to your nearest river or your nearest stream and walk along it for an hour or half an hour in the middle of the day and tell me how many people you see because it won't be many and if there are many it'll probably be the middle of the summer we tend to get sighting reports all around the year mark but there is a period between about november and March, where it was very quiet, the winter months. And I think that might be because people aren't out as much. And you would obviously need a person to see the creature to make the report. I might be completely wrong, but that's my theory. Um, mm. Other than that they go somewhere because it's winter, I don't know. I don't know enough about this subject to make that claim. But, as I said, you get outside of that 6.9% of urbanisation, you then have all I think we have 16 national parks, then you get your country parks, your military defence land, and private land that's owned. There is vast amounts of land out there that people are not on. They're not walking the dog there. They're not going there over weekend. And it, when you start looking at it like that, you think, well, actually, it might be viable. This could be viable. It could be anything from. We have to take into account that. We might not be talking about a flesh and blood creature, and I know that's very controversial, but we don't know. Nobody's actually sat down and conversed with the creature that they've sighted. So it could be anything from an actual animal of some kind that we can't identify all the way through to some kind of dimensional being, because we honestly just don't know. So we decided that, well, let's just... The only way to work this out, I think, is to start to map it. So people take that Bigfoot map as Bible gospel, and it isn't. It's my way. It's the tool that I use to work. It's my way of working out what is in what area at what time of the year. Because I want to know if there's a seasoning pattern. Is it anything? Does the pattern change with the moon? Do they follow the old holidays? What food routes are they following? It's just my way of sourcing information and other people have said to me along the way that's a really good is can i have a link to that map because it's a really useful source and i've said go for it you uh, share it with as many people as you can because as i was talking to you earlier myself and paul sinclair who everybody in the uk knows from truth proof have decided that instead of keep getting digging the ribs because we don't just stick to one map there isn't just bipedal creatures on that map me and Paul, and I think you as well, Mark, really want to know what's happening in an area as a whole. So we want to know, say, Portsmouth, for example. We want to know the urban legends. We want to know past history. We want to know if there's any lights been seen, any ghosts seen, any UFOs reported. To try and work out, is it the area itself that's throwing that phenomena out there? Or is there something of an attraction within that area? Am I making myself clear? Yeah, I, 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 was, I, when I do a lot of research before the new uh, mm. guidance come in, because it's a bit harder nowadays, um, yeah. I used to find a lot of connection to ley lines. I know it's not a scientific mm. connection, but there was a lot of connection to ley lines yeah. with ghosts, paranormal, yeah, wild man, well. uh, orbs, you name it, there yeah. is a lot. And I, I've talked to people in America who studied ley lines over in America, and they have experienced the same thing. I talked to a man called Jeff Wolvine, who has yeah. looked into orbs 
uh, connected to the Indians that they saw all up in the mountains. And you yeah. come across with very convincing evidence. Now, you look at the mountains, they're in vast area. Yeah. Vast, vast. You could get lost forever in there. Most definitely. Um, we were recently went on up to the Tay. We were invited up by a witness to interview a witness to one of these creatures, a wonderful lady. Um, had nothing to hide, invited us down, shown us where she was. I'm not going to tell you the name of the area because I don't want everybody rushing to it. But it was, I'm a girl from a small town. To me, it was the absolute wilderness. It was beautiful. The food sources that were out there were unbelievable. I couldn't get over it, mate. And it was just vast. And you could have walked for miles and you wouldn't have seen a creature. And one thing that stuck in my mind when I was there was, I've done a lot of historical research back in time to see if there's any mention of, like, the wood wolves or any, anything that would describe an upright hairy creature. And I found this word called satris, and it was by the Gauls. It was a text by the Gauls, and they'd come to where I was um, in the River Tay in the 6th century. And it was, they couldn't overtake that part of the country because it had these satris or men monkeys that were bigger than human males, a hair covered completely naked, would steal um, crops from the fields and fish from nets and would run off with local maidens. Um, all things that you've heard from the Native Americans. Um, and that, as I said, was in the 6th century. So as I'm standing there that day, I'm thinking, there's been reports of this hairy giant man in this area since the 6th century, and I'm looking at Shahalan the mountain, which is a crystal quartz mountain, and I'm thinking, is it all to do with energy? Is it all tied in some way to the ley lines, places where the ley lines converge, there are a large number of sightings? Um, even to the point of some of the structures that we find, and the Americans report them as well, and so do the Russians, are actually on ley lines or areas where ley lines converge. Now, are they not structures at all? Are they some kind of battery? energy emitter, a transceiver, I have no understanding, Mark, but they are on the ley lines. Well, some people think they're portals as well, don't they? There's a lot of portal yeah. theory out there. Uh, if you think of the Earth like um, a ball with an energy grid around it, almost like, a, like chicken wire completely covering the Earth, and that is the energy of the earth there are places within that that are weaker or stronger and you tend to get a surge of energy and um, people some people call them nodes or nodules but you can get entire areas like that there are many in sierra nevada in america actual vortexes that you can map on an emf meter you can douse them you can use your pendulum there and i found in the uk that in certain areas like epping forest for instance is is exactly the same people report missing time people report knowing the area like the back of the hand and being completely lost and not being able to get out and getting actually terrified you've got people chased out of the woods by something growling and smashing wood and branches but they can't see it almost in a predator like way a lot of wiccans and pagans will head there because it's sacred energy it's a very old there's a lot of pill forts in there is that area itself emitting some kind of energy that's causing all of these paranormal accounts, the accounts of the flitting lights, you know, like the old will-o'-the-wisp? 
Mm. And you've got people reporting these lights in the daytime, Mark, and they can see them with their own eyes. Well, I've got a theory, and I have this theory for paranormal world as well, that we t- uh, some of our abilities to see cryptids or UFOs or paranormal mm. comes from early man. Because early man yeah. had to be very high perceptive to the environment yeah. he lived in. And we underestimate yeah. early man's ability and his intelligence. Yes, yes. I 100% agree with you there. I wonder if... Some people, I call it the animal brain. Back then, you had this animal brain where you smell, your sense of smell, your sense of touch. Even into six and seven senses where you are aware of things around you that people these days talk of a feeling of being watched or the hair going up on the back of the neck. That's a natural reaction. It's, it's the animal self within. And I tend to say to people, if you have that feeling, you probably are being watched. It might not be a big creature. It might be an animal. It could be a dog. It could be anything. But you tend to human beings can pick up on when they are being watched. And it kept us alive a very long time ago. And I wonder if some of us still have those senses. Um, and that's why they can tap into, you know, like they can be become animal behaviourists or they can work with spirit or they can work with energy and some people can tap in to these almost I describe them as beings because I don't have another word for them, I don't even think hominids the right word at the moment, we really don't know um, so use it but as a general word, I'm just going to use the word being, so you've got these this being out there who's, if they are flesh and blood are using all of those ancient senses all the time and they would be honed, whereas, you know, to us they are not. Maybe they see the earth and the trees and everything around them in a completely different way than we do. We're very blinkered. Um, They're very close to... I mean, I keep contact harping on about Native Americans, but in the same way that they are in touch with the ground that's around them. They know every food, every medicine, every use for every tree out there. They don't have to go into the woods and take kit. You just go out into the woods because the, the woods provides. It's all out there in nature. Um, is it just an understanding that we lost, Mark? Have we always walked beside these beings? And for some reason, we have dumbed down and they have just been able to exist elusively out there. I, really, I honestly don't know. I think people think I have the answers. I don't. That's one of the questions that goes around my mind probably 24 hours a day. What are they? Where do they come from? I think it's a point that you said that, Debbie. You've never ever said, and not to my knowledge, oh, this is definitely this, this is definitely no. that. Everybody else has presumed you've said it, and you've never said it. Yeah. No, I haven't. Until I sit down with him, Mark, until he sits in front of me and tells me what he is and answers my hundreds of questions that I have, it is all theory. And I just say to people... I don't have the answers. I can tell you what all of the theories are and you can choose for yourself from that. But I am no expert. I am just a woman who saw something really weird when she was a kid and has spent the rest of her life trying to work out what that is. I don't want to put ideas into people's mind. I want to say to them, some people think that they are animals. Some people think that they are human, like a brother or a cousin. Other people think they are alien. Some people think that they are Gigantopithecus. Um, there are so many theories out there. I just want that witness to have somewhere to go with their experience. That's all I've ever wanted. I've never made a penny out of this. 
and I take a lot of time away from my family. And it's about, I am still that 15-year-old girl who saw that monster that day. It's not a monster now that I'm 51. I understand that. But as a child, I... Oh, my, yeah, it would have been that. back then. Yeah, yeah. perception is different mm. as you get older. Also... So I'm not coming at this from a scientific point of view or from a sporting point of view or from even an interested party, really. I'm completely out there because, A, I'm making a magical claim that I've seen something that looked like a man and an ape combined. If you could push a man and a gorilla together, that's what I saw. It looked like how you would imagine an Neanderthal to look if they were completely hair-covered. It was so human, but so ape-like, I could not work out what he was. And then I found other people that said, you know, not to me, I've seen that. That took a lot. I was in my forces before that happened. Found other, like the Tunbridge Wells Bigfoot, the, the ones that were out there anyway, they were in the newspapers. People, the, uh, I think one of them was the Kentish Ape Man and used to call them Big Hairy Men back then. But that was so refreshing to me because I saw, even back then when there was just five other accounts, I thought, well, that's five other people that have seen them, you know. I'm not crackers, I'm not going bonkers. But as, you know, time moves on and we got the internet and now the internet opened up a world for me because I was able to access, like, the newspaper archives, the museum archives. As you said, it was a lot easier back then to be a researcher. And I start finding these stories from people who were out on the golf courses and um, a big, hairy, ape-like creature approaches from behind. And then they're coming from Scotland, they're coming from Ireland, they're coming from Wales, and I'm thinking... There's hundreds of these people who've seen this thing. Now, all these years on, I am in touch with researchers all over the world. So I think there's only Japan um, and the Arab states. No, the Inca do in Arab. I think the only thing place I can think of at the moment, top of my head, without a hominid report, is Japan. And I might be wrong. People can correct me on that. But I found 54 different hominid names for these creatures around the globe, from Genosqua to Yalmas. Each country, wherever you go, has a story of people now seeing upright, hairy, seven-foot-tall They can all be wrong, can they? I mean, it's, it probably is in Japan, but it's probably just not well reported. It's an island, so I don't know if that's got anything to do with it. I don't know, but um, I, see, I don't know a lot. But I was trying to, when I was trying to collate wherever they were within the world, there's a map out there. I think Lon Strickler did it, and it's the Bigfoot map of the world. So you just put that in Google, and it'll pop up. And I, I think there was only Japan, and it might have been Tasmania. It was another island where there were no reports, because obviously in Australia you have the Yahweh reports. That's their name for the Bigfoot. And I'm sure there's an Aboriginal name for them, an original native name for them. I just don't know it. Even in the Arab states, like I say, they have the Inkadu, um, Sweden, Germany, France, the Baltic states, all across Russia and Siberia. Very accepted in Russia. They're not. It's not looked on as strange at all in Russia. And it's only this year that what I think is probably not as good as the Patterson-Gimlin film, I've got to be honest, but a very close second, and I am the first person to go, that's a fake, that's a fake. I spend my days doing that. But this, what I go, uh, Bertheb's got, um, is quite eye-opening, and that's come from Russia. 
2018. So these, the videos are coming in. People are saying there's no video evidence. There is. In the, we have the Welsh tree pusher one in uh, Wales, the um, Bigfoot Tony Court. Um, there's no footprint ever since. Well, there is, because I, I, every footprint that comes in, I save that. I save the photograph. I ask them to go back and cast it. I say, can you get the size, put something next to it for comparison. We've got hair samples coming in now. Um, we have finally, for the first time, got some doctors and medical professionals interested who have been looking at samples of hair, and they've come back as, we can't explain this, it's human, but there's no medulla down the middle. That's in little old England, in Blighter. We are finding strange things and we find, like I say, finally people are sitting up and taking interest in somebody at Oxford University who said that they're prepared to test any sample that we will send in because they were very impressed with the hair. I've had mm. a hair sample come to me today. Um, mm, that's it's very, you know, very unexplainable. So we're in exciting times, Mark. I think we've mm. kind of gone from urban myth to people going, the way they're doing it in the UK is actually working. Oh, that, people are networking, you know? Yeah, I, I think that's important. Also, I think that, that when we look... I've, I've just heard a thought. When we look at pagan religion, you look at Hearn... Hearn is it Hearn? Exactly. Now, yeah. Hearn is basically a big guy. Yeah, living in the woods. Living in the woods. Yeah, and I'm thinking, I wonder if there's... I'm, I'm not saying there is a connection, just as Deborah just said, but I, I think there could be... Like all myths and legends, yeah. there's element of truth somewhere. somewhere. Yeah. There's a tr yeah. element of truth there that's been hidden in time. Yes, exactly that. Exactly that. We can't... Not everything comes with an explanation document or a fact sheet or a pamphlet. But that doesn't mean we should throw it out. We can put it on the shelf and say... It might not be worth anything, Mark. We might have to throw it out in the end, but just in case. An example, I'll give you an example. Um, in Bosnia, most people will know now, they have discovered some pyramids. And within those pyramids, um, they put together very well, like the Incas put together things, there is an energy source. And the higher above that pyramid you are, the higher the energy source goes. And in the middle of this pyramid is a quartz rock that they threw out as being of no use whatsoever. It's almost triangular in shape, and it's as big as a man's hand, and it has caught sort of runes all around the sides of it. But to them, it was worth, it was worthless. It was worth nothing. And a gentleman who's now a Bigfoot researcher in England brought it back with him because he said he could have it. It was of no use whatsoever. They've now discovered that it actually it might be quite an important stone and they might shouldn't really have given it away, but that's a whole different um, story. i seen it and I said, that's really strange because that looks like our first language. It's spelled Ogham, but it's pronounced Ogham. And it's how early Brits and Pictish people would l leave a message and it's carved around this stone. So I'm condensing this to make it as small as I can. But he's out in the wood and he starts to notice these, we're talking about ley lines again, these very strange sticks that have been forced into the ground for no reason whatsoever. They're doing no nothing, no use to went nothing. So other people kind of picked up on this and they're seeing them in lines and we get into like lines of 17 and 18 and we get to the end of them and we find these pyramid <laughs> structures that look very much like this triangular stone. So 
he thinks, right, I'm going to get a map and I'm going to put on the map everywhere on this map that I've found these structures within the world. So would you believe it or not, they turn up in a triangular shape again. So we try it in a completely different place. We go, right, well, we'll not do it there. We'll go to Oxfordshire. We'll try it in Oxfordshire. Every one of those sticks that was forced into ground was forced into an area where the lay, there was a nodule within the lay and the energy was higher. Who the hell is out there shoving sticks into the nodules on the ley lines? Yeah, it would make no sense to someone say, oh, it could be the forestry. But why would the forestry want to do that? Yeah. It doesn't make no sense to me. <laughs> and the, the end of all of these lines of sticks is an almost teepee-like structure. You would look at it and think, that's an American wigwam with no skin on it. Very interwoven and, like, very strong as well, Mark, in all honesty. And some of them are huge. We were talking like 14, 15 feet tall. And we don't know who's doing it. I've checked with bushcrafters, I've checked with scouts, anything, foragers, anyone I can think that's out there in the wood. No, it's not us. No, we're not doing that. We're finding intricately pinned arch trees that are almost like ground alarms or triggers that give out a racket when you come walking into an area. Who's doing that? It's almost like army intelligence in some places. And to me, it's intriguing. I want to know more. So I say to people, if you're out and you find anything like that, will you photograph it? Will you video it? And will you send it to me? And I've been doing that for years. I've built this massive collection. And I would imagine 90% of it will have to throw away. It won't be worth anything. It's the idea that there's that one piece of evidence in that, and I can't throw it away because it might be we might not use it now, but 10 15 years down the line, we might suddenly think, Oh, that stone from the thing or those sticks in the ground, it just might twig with somebody. And I'm a little bit obsessive, so I keep everything just to be on the safe side, but I have a feeling. All of this, UFOs, the strange missing people, I mean, we've not even got into that. This energy, this earth energy that somebody seems to be tapping or at least marking out for some strange reason, I don't know. We then get, well, that area's been bought by the government, we're not allowed on it now, it's an area of scientific interest. It's now private land, it's posted, we can't go on it. That is happening all across the country. We get in little areas where people are making reports and the next thing you know, the area's been built or bought, posted, and we can't go on it anymore. Which, I mean, we're getting into conspiracy theory, I, I know. But the, the tales that people are telling me where they've seen something and then two or three days later they've got army on, on the land or... There's a lot of reports that are actually on military defence land from serving soldiers and they get told that they're not allowed to report it. One guy had to wait 25 years and then he reported it. Well, it's you gave me the, um, Michael Woods who was into werewolves yes. and he was yes. very, very interesting man. And he has yes. got an ex-army background. He's a very yes. intelligent man. He's not the sort of person that would... Say something out of hand or out of place. I've got a lot of time for him because I see him do this in a scientific, documented way. He isn't on radio talking about attacks and making up all these tales and stories. He, I've known him for a, a long time now, a number of years now. Uh, like I say, I have a lot of respect for the man. He's out there in all weathers and he will travel four or five hours 
just to get to an area to research within it, he goes around the country and he collects reports from people. He's forever contacting uh, like newspapers and places because we get a lot of reports about animal mutilations and cattle being taken and stolen. And if you talk to people like Paul Sinclair, that pops up in the, the alien um, realm as well, doesn't it? Yeah. But it also pops up around um, reported sightings where there've been black dogs and werewolves and the dogman type creatures. I know you have an interest in that yourself. And the people always say to me, "What's your latest report?" You know, and then they expect me to go, "Oh, it was 1972." The last report that we had in the UK of a dog-like creature up on two legs, a big as a horse, crossing the road, was in June this year in Risley, in the northwest of England. And it was a very sane man driving a van at night, in the middle of the night, because he's a van driver, and people say, that's ridiculous. Take a look at that area on the map. Other than the prison, there are four country parks, all leading down to Dunham Massa. The river, the river Merza is just at the back. Of, so basically, it's come across the fields, if we're talking about it being a creature, and it's headed to an area of food, and he saw it coming back on the way it's come back. When you look at the map, you think, oh, my Lord, it could just go from there to the Peak District, and there is not an estate or a, or a town, but it's a bypass. And then you talk to people like, like I say, like uh, Ian, and he's taking those reports, I'm taking those reports, Paul's taking those reports. These reports are coming in all the time. This guy that he, he, um, was in Risley, and he's driving along in his van, um, he said that he saw it come from the right-hand side. It was down on all fours at first. It was as big as a horse, but it moved, and it looked like a dog. And as it got to the other side of the road, it got up on two legs, and it ran. And he slammed the brakes on, and he said by the time he got out of the car, it had completely gone. And he said, I'm not an idiot, it wasn't a dog, and it wasn't a horse, it was something I cannot describe. And every night, I have to drive that road, I'm looking for it. And then we can jump to Ashbourne in Kent, and I've got a guy who's six foot seven, he said he was, he's a doorman. He said, Debbie, people come to me when they have trouble, because I'm the sort of person that doesn't get scared of anything. And he's on a do, um, like a, a family occasion, as we say in the north. Is that somebody's do? And he's a designated driver, so he hasn't had a drink. And he's driving home, and it's Ashbourne, Kent. Um, he's in the fields there, you know, Essex lad, whatever you want to call it, driving along. And he says, I see this thing off to the left-hand side of the road. It's about 1.30 in the morning, but the road's lit. And I think, is that a day? And as I'm driving closer, I think, that's too big for a deer. Is that a moose? It can't be a moose. I'm in England. At which point, he saw, it had a, I described it as like a pit bull face, a very short snout, not a long werewolf-type snout, none of that, a very short snout on it. And it was definitely a creature, and it was definitely hair-covered. It didn't do anything to him. It basically put, you know, like when gorillas put their knuckles down and they walk with the knuckles? Yeah. It did that across the road. It put its hands down to the road and walked and did that as it crossed the road and it was gone. And he said, I was terrified. I was absolutely terrified and I've never been scared in my life. And this is a massive man 
who's not scared of anything. And you think, why would I just not... Why would I let that just go and just go, oh, yeah, that's great, and forget about it? That's somebody's... That's something, A, that's made a very big impact on his life. And, B, he's reporting something that's being reported in the northwest, hundreds of miles away from him, but they're giving it the same description. And... He's only probably five years apart, Mark, and you're thinking, well, I only have to go one and a half mile down the road, and there's another description of a creature, and he described it as crossing the road, commando style, you know, like slinking? Yeah, yeah. He, yeah, he said it, it slumped across the road, and he wanted to call it cat-like, and he kept saying it was cat-like, it was a leopard, it was cat-like, and then at the end of the thing, he says, the only thing I can describe it was I once saw um, a drawing of a Sasquatch crossing the road and it's belly and it looked like that. You know? <laughs> and you're thinking, this is a mile and a half away. And it just goes on like that, Mark. And one just goes into another one and goes into another one and it just keeps going like that. Well, I think your idea when you talked to me first about getting a universal map, mm-hmm. we're not going to say it's... Absolute gospel. We're not saying it's the no. be all and end all. It's only a guide, people. Yeah. A guide. Yeah, the word right. guide. But it will give you a good sense of thinking, oh, I'll look into that. Yeah, exactly. Or you could say you had a strange experience. You could, whether it was a ghost, whether it was lights. People report seeing lights. And in some cases, some people call them ghost lights, don't they? Other people call them orbs visual orbs that you see with your own eyes and other people will say that they don't feel like they're being drawn into the wood by them that as they move to catch up with them it keeps moving in an almost way you might be out there and be one of those people that that happens to and you want to know if there's anybody else that it's happened to or are there any other areas um i have a sighting report coming in now as we are speaking my mark from a Wild camper, I'm just trying to read it as it's popping up now in my email. So that's what they come in like. They just flip it in really quick. There's a wild camper now out there who's reporting something that happened to him last night. And I will, when I finish recording to you, I will get over to it and find out what it is. I've lost my bloody thread now, now that happened. What I don't mind. Saying, it's a, Sorry. But that's easy. That's, but I like that because this is not the principle of trying to get it through to people. You've only said it's a guide and that's the principle of a guide. Yes. It's like when you read, you read something on Wikipedia. I've just given Wikipedia as an example. We all know some bits of Wikipedia uh, people alter. But you use it as a guide reference. You don't go by it completely. You think, oh, yes, that's interesting. I'm doing a bit more research before I talk about that. Most definitely. You don't go to the first article on Google, do you? No, I go to three or four first. Yeah, normally that's all the map is mm. that map to me is just my personal reference i love that people like it and that they really enjoy reading it but i didn't make it for that i just made it because i had a big a4 map on my wall in the bedroom and i'm really crap at finding places on maps and my daughter said mom instead of putting it on the wall like that why don't you just open a google map and do it that way and i was like i don't know what you mean and she showed me how to do it and i thought that's a really easy way for me to see that any patterns are forming and that's all the map is 
So once a report comes in, I think, right, well, I'll stick it on the map and then I can have a look later on and see what else is happening in that area. And that's, that's it. It's just a reference source like that. So the idea of doing this complete map, really, something I've always wanted to do. So I'm thinking, I want to know what other way people, you know, are finding weird stuff happening in the area. What is it? Is it big catchery being reported? Is it, you say we're getting a report of howls and growls coming in. And then I can see that there's been 20 big cat reports. It's quite easy for me to think, well, it may be. It's probably just a big cat. But if I don't put the big cat ones on there, and I've got 500 reports of upright hairy creatures, I'd never be able to find a pattern in it or anything. Exactly, So it'd all just be on pieces of paper all over my bedroom, and it wouldn't make sense. That maps my filing cabinet. So well, we, people can we say know to me, the... oh, I can, you know, say this guy, say this guy's in the Brecon Beacons. I don't know because I've not opened the email. I can go to the Brecon Beacons now and see how far away anything else has been reported. And if it's exactly in that area, I think, well, that'll be of use to him because I can say, oh, don't worry about it. In 2012, somebody else reported the same thing. If there's nothing in that area, that's even good for me as well because I'm thinking that might join up two places on the map for me and I might be able to work out a route. It's just my way of working. So people work in different mediums and I work with... As a kid, I like maps. I've always liked mapping things and where things go. It's just always been my interest. Um, so I think that's just how I work. I've never wrote a book. I've never done anything like that. I wouldn't even know where to start, in all honesty. And the radio and the YouTube, I, that was my worst nightmare, Mark, I'll be honest. It was because of Andy's... McGrath and Chris Turner taught me into doing YouTube and it took them a long time because I didn't want to do it. I said, no one will listen to me voice for starters. They won't be able to understand what I'm saying. And there isn't going to be an interest for it. And I found that when I started putting the sighting reports out on YouTube, there was a massive interest because that then I was getting contacted by like the bushcrafters and the wild campers, people are, who are out in the wilds, in the peak districts and places like that, the New Forest, the, co the commoners down in the New Forest, places like that, people who are living out there, start, they started making reports. So, like, you've got your farmers in Harwood, very close to the Bollum Beast, um, and they start coming forward and saying, we're seeing strange, upright, hairy creatures, or, say, it's night time, you don't see hair, you see a dark shape that's about eight foot tall, you know, that kind of thing. But we're having these beasts being taken and strange um, anomalous Paul's been finding these very strange almost laser cut animals that I don't think are anything to do with the wild men I think that's something entirely different where no meat's been being taken from them just a number of organs there's no mess on the ground, there's no blood there's nothing that you would expect from an animal kill no puncture wounds or anything like that very strange, almost very light um, what's that ranch, the famous ranch? <sighs> it won't come to me now, in America, where so many strange things happen. I always get it mixed up with Mr. Carl Schuker. Skinwalker Ranch, there. It's like that, that mm. kind of area, and that's Bempton on the northeast coast. And there you get in accounts of lights, strange triangle shapes within fields, tall, right figures in the field that you can't make out. All of that intertwined and it just kind of spread and Paul was like let's do it let's make another map and start seeing what else is happening maybe 
this is just a, you know an example we map the creature and then we map the lights in the area we might see a correlation we might say actually these lights have been seen and maybe two or three days later we're seeing these creatures it could be not connected at all but it would just be nice to know so i'm hoping people will just send you reports of anything strange that's out there whether they've been, you know they've seen something they've experienced something they've had a time loss there's a story in the family anything even if you think it's insignificant get in touch with me or paul or mark and we'll hear you out and we'll write it down and we'll stick it in a database because it might be really really useful and you'll if, if you you haven't had anything like that but you like me and mark and you like having a good old nosy online have a look what strange stuff's happened in your area there'll be paranormal oh my god you'll be shocked i i mean like you said even if somebody say oh nothing happens down in oldsworthy you say mm -hmm. actually if you look closer and put in devon you've got big cats you've got mothman you've got yeah, you've got Elman, you've got sightings of UFOs, you've got yes. the legend of King Arthur, the magic, and yeah, Druids. Yeah, all the strange things that wash up on the beaches. Yeah, exactly. Oh, we, we've had, um, what did we have? We've had a spate of um, jellyfish that weren't even yeah, meant to be here. And sh sharks, we had, well, it wasn't a great white, they thought it was a great white, but it turned out to be a... Something else, but a blue shark, yeah, because well, somebody couldn't tell the difference. <laughs> but um, I, I found a tale, um, nothing to do with Bigfoot, but it was people in the Churston area. That's not too far from you, and they were reporting seeing something that they called a green-faced monkey, and a number of people saw it, and the police actually investigated it because so many reports were made. Now, what I used to do is I used to like Google a word probably the same as you, so I'd put in like Munkef Debut or Munkef Shropshire and see what came up and that's how I stumbled onto these green based monkeys of Churston. I'm only going back to about 2015, something like that. And when I looked at it, I thought, oh, it's ideal. There's an act you're on the coast, there's a little cove there and then there's just a massive forest that just leads in this kind of corridor out into the fields and to the woods beyond and I thought, that kind of makes sense that something would be using that to eat and then people in the, the tourist months are seeing them and that's how they're being reported if that little article hadn't been hidden somewhere in a, in somebody's personal blog i wouldn't have been able to come across it and we always say to people if, if you're interested in that get can you start looking and start emailing me stuff andy mcgrath's doing we've got so many big cat sightings now and close to where you were in 2017 the dna actually came back as leopard so yeah, I, I believe there's a hybrid uh, uh, um, cat. Not the, the original cats were released in 1976, the wild animals. I think there are hybrid versions of these animals around. I don't think they're the original. I don't think they're the original cats. I think they've adapted. I think they've adapted to our climate. And sometimes, like you say, the monkeys and things. It could be. I'm not saying it isn't. Could be. An escaped species that's living it in Britain. Well, could be. It could, and we'd have to take that into account. And it might be that some people are seeing an escaped species, and some people are seeing 
um, a hominid and some people are seeing a ghost and we don't know. So that's why we're gonna we're gonna have a look and we're gonna map it, aren't we? And then we'll find out. And it's um, Paul strike buying strange porpoises killed down in the southeast. And it would be really nice to know if anybody else is finding that on beaches or in the woodlands close to the beaches. These very strange porpoises that look like they've been hit either with like a pulse or some kind of I don't, I don't really know I, I don't understand the, the the ufo realm it's not my realm i don't know it's not you know i'm out of my comfort zone so i'd just be guessing but you shouldn't be finding porpoises up off the beach into the woodlands you just no no it's not possible no. not physically yeah, possible I, I found reports of octopuses in the peak district I mean, you wouldn't even consider it as a pet. There's no way someone's going to say, it's an exotic pet. You think, well, no, I'm sorry. It's, uh, an octopus is a bloody big creature. <laughs> it's heavy. Deborah, unfortunately we're coming near to the end of what I could do. I normally only just an hour, but would you like to mention anything where people can go, or your radio show, or anything? It's up to you. Oh yeah, I don't mind. I, I I'm very good at pointing people in directions. So I say, if I don't know something, I just say I don't know, but I know someone that might know. I only okay. say might. I never say definite. I say they may be able to help you. Yeah, that's me. That's what I say. If I don't know it, I'll try and find somebody that does. Yeah, and that's all I can do. So you can do. I mean, because at the end of the day, as you've all, we've always said, and people I think are listening more now. We've never. No one's ever said. It's this or that. 
I think there's a lot of it's been misconstrued, and a lot of it was, we'll say a little bit of pettiness, we won't say why, but... Difference of opinion. Yes. It's just a difference of opinion. Yeah. And I mean, it's good to have a difference of opinion. I don't don't mind that. But only if it's a debate and not nastiness. I don't like nastiness. (laughs) I just just, put put that out there because I I think it was a total waste of effort by people because basically if you don't agree with it, do what I do with the telly. Don't listen to it. Don't read it. That's that me. Don't don't just say here. This is this is my proof. At the end of the day, if we didn't have the theory, we wouldn't have evolution. We wouldn't have we wouldn't have um, gravity. We wouldn't have time. We wouldn't have well a lot of theories. We wouldn't have. No, exactly. Can you imagine some bloke going out to someone and say, oh, I've got this great idea, we're going to be talking to a machine for now, for years and years, and it's going to be a, a wave, and you won't be able to see it, or touch yeah, it. Burn that witch. Burn yeah. that witch at the stage. Yeah, exactly, they'd be going, yeah, right, come on. <laughs> hey, wouldn't they? Come on, let's be realistic. Let's, this is what people forget. Without a theory, things don't get, don't. it might trigger an idea in someone and think, Oh, I can do something with that theory. Yeah, exactly, exactly. They change it. People I talk to who say, "Oh, I'm so bored last year, and I'm not bored now because I'm out each weekend or I'm on that line looking at stuff." It gives people an interest, and there's a good community out there. Exactly, and if it gets you out in the woods, if it gets you out in the woods and you have a bit of exercise, and even if you don't find nothing, don't worry, you're still having animals out there. You might see a hare or bats or. I'm sure people will do, but right. I'm going to do my. I'm going to do an unusual sign-off. I like to do for everybody. So, are you prepared? <laughs> Thank you, Deborah, for being on my show. We talked about Bigfoot, you know. I like the fact that you've got some great maps. Please look it up, folks. You know, look her up on YouTube. You may find out a thing or two. So, thank you for Deborah for being on my show. Oh, thank you very much, Matt. That was lovely. <laughs> you have made my day.